We're talking Arizona Cardinals today. We're talking NFC West. Have the Arizona Cardinals begun the path to closing the massive gap on the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC West with today's guest, Alex Clancy of Locked On Cardinals. Their new head coach and what's going on with Kyler Murray and a whole lot more coming up on today's Peacock and Williams. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson with you, as always, at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL on Twitter. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. As we bring on today's esteemed guest, he's the host of Locked On Cardinals, Mr. Alex Clancy. Alex, how's it going, man? It's always a fun offseason when your team is hiring a new head coach and a new GM and it's a new era of Arizona Cardinals football. Yeah. And the uh, Arizona Cardinals slander, I took the under on FanDuel in less than three and a half seconds to start this show. So I cashed on that with your uh, incredible cold intro. Thank you for that. Brian. (laughs) I had to throw a dig at you, especially when you weren't on the screen and you weren't, uh, (laughs) uh, didn't have a hot mic to, to say anything about it. Uh, Looking at this Cardinals team. So Monty Osafort and Jonathan Gannon, did they get it right in your opinion? Yeah. I mean, there's, you got a grade on a curve. Uh, and, and I don't say that jokingly. Like I think any move outside of running it back from last year would have been a win. And I think this is the biggest win here is Michael Bidwell, because what he's done up until this point is the antithesis of what he's done since removing Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury from post. So if he's really talking about changing things, I've been calling it Arizona Cardinals 2.0. He's checked two of the biggest boxes, two of the biggest decisions, if not, the two biggest decisions he's ever had to make as you know, since taking over owner he's done. So it's a win regardless because it's removed the past and given possibilities for the future. So not to put words in your mouth, but it just the way you said that it sounds like you're implying that the Cardinals had as bad of coach GM combination as there was in the league last year. I mean, I, I think that the, the beneficial move would have been to move off of both of them, Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. it, as I call it, at the end of the 2021 season. Really start yeah, yeah. fresh and do it that way instead of forcing Michael Bidwell's hand. But I just think that there were limitations. And I think with limitations breeds the lack of potential to actually win at a level that any NFL franchise should be able to. The elevation of talent was null, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, the drafting wasn't great trading for Marquise Brown and then drafting Trey McBride in the second round when there were severe needs elsewhere. I was called a joke in the beginning. I'm like, look at, look at what's happening. So yes. Uh, I think that it was a tough spot last year with injuries, without injuries. It was a tough spot and the Cardinals have removed themselves from that. Now. Having heard now from Monty Osenfort, the GM and Jonathan Gannon, the head coach and press conferences and uh, how would you grade them? Has it made you more confident in them? And I, and I know it can be misleading. Sirianni had an awful first press conference, and his team is just in the Super Bowl. So, you know, it's not everything. And, and some, some guys are, are really good interviewers and get head coaching jobs really good in front of the, interv- interv- uh, in, in front of the media, and they can not be great with X's and O's, not be great uh, leaders of men. So you can't know everything by an initial press conference, but did it, did it uh, 
did it make you feel better about the Jonathan Gannon hire or the other way around when you start to hear them speak and hear their vision for the team? Yeah, I mean, he knocked it out of the park. And I think that was obvious because he is a raw, raw guy. He's Dan Campbell much more than he is Cliff Kingsbury, which is great. And I've I've compared Dan Campbell to what the Arizona Cardinals need, regardless of win-loss record, what Dan Campbell has done in Detroit, is completely revamp everything that's happened over the last 50 years in Detroit. And it's fun and it's exciting and the, and the fans are bought in. That's exactly what the Cardinals need injected into their bloodstream. So, yes, Jonathan Gannon won the press conference and there were a couple interesting answers that he said that weren't planogram, that weren't spec, that weren't coach speak that made me think, oh, baby, like how can you not get excited for some of the things that he said? So, yes, Monty Austinfort with his deep scouting background, winning multiple Super Bowls as part of the front office with New England, and then Tennessee didn't necessarily end the way that it started when he was there as AGM, but both of them together are ushering in a new regime that you can't be more excited about as of right now. Yeah, I, I like that Campbell comparison for a, an organization that doesn't done a lot of winning over any of our lifetimes, you know, in, inject it with some energy. That's great to say. And you also mentioned Trey McBride earlier. I'm sitting here looking at this roster. I mean, tight ends like the only spot I can come up with where they don't need anybody. <laughs> like every every other spot on the roster, they shouldn't shouldn't ignore or turn their nose up at a good prospect. I, I will add one more on that safety. Okay. Buda Baker because okay. Jalen Thompson is now going to become a household name as the backup dancer yeah. or one a, he just got a contract extension, very team friendly. I think it was under 30 mil for three years. Mm -hmm. um, him out of Wazoo and Buda Baker out of Washington have really just solidified. They're the only pillars on defense, as I call it solidified set and forget defensive players. The Arizona Cardinals have yeah. under contract for 2023. And, and you think any other positions on the table, you know, in round two, yeah, round three, you know, whatever. There needs to be player development, massive, mm -hmm. because if you look at the defensive side of the ball, and you're right about tight end, Trey McBride, Zach Ertz, for the next five years or seven years, overlapping in whatever way it's going to happen, that's another one. But I think more of an impactful would be safety. But yeah, you look you're at the right. defensive side of the ball, Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons, Byron Murphy, Zach Allen, Cam Thomas, MyJ Sanders, there's so much incredible talent that just needs the molding, that needs the clay thing to turn on. And for somebody just to mold that talent, into what will be very inexpensive play for a, for a while now, aside from Byron Murphy and Zach Allen who are in contract years. But there's more talent than what the roster jumps out to you at this point. It just needs coaching. Yeah, makes sense. Even quarterback? You didn't mention quarterback as a position that the Cardinals Oh, have. yeah. Well, see – and well, this Something is, has to happen there. Yeah, well, so this is my thing is like I don't include quarterback in any conversation with personnel. Mm -hmm. Until, like, the only uncomfortable conversation I haven't had to have, thank you, Brian Peacock, is <laughs> if this year, so say, but the thing is, if Kyler Murray misses four games and they start 0-4, or he misses seven games and they start 1-6, we're putting all of these on a back burner until 2024 when he can play a full season. If he comes right. back in week four and they're 2-2 two and two and they sign whatever backup quarterback they're going to sign, you know, whatever, and he can play this year and he doesn't play well, we can have that conversation. But I'm not doing that yet. Like that, it's too clickbaity for me. I still think he's the guy. Jonathan Gannon said that they're going to build the offense specifically around him. All that Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray did was a coach who wanted to coach a player since the player was in high school. They put it two together like this is going to work, and it just didn't. So if he can't start the season, though, that's why I did I, I did lump quarterback in. Mm. You think you just run McCoy back, or is you still, still think they need to grab somebody from outside the organization? I think they need to grab somebody. Like I, 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 yeah. I think that this is like a the reason why Van Joseph didn't get the head coaching job, the reason why Adrian Wilson didn't get the GM job. Everything needs to be outsourced at this point. 
a complete hard reset. Colt McCoy, if it is Colt McCoy, fine. But the limitations on Colt McCoy are – his ceiling is so much lower than people think. His floor may be higher, but they mm-hmm. need to sign – I mean, even if it's Jimmy Garoppolo for $8 million for a year, like they need to get an able-bodied average quarterback to come in and play just in case Kyler Murray doesn't play for the first 10 weeks. Yeah. We have no idea at this point. I, I, is there a chance that that he doesn't play at all? Like, what is there? A, is there a better timeline now that we're further away from that injury? Well, I mean, we saw the video, his Instagram video of him doing pretty good workouts for a guy that just had surgery not a month ago. So ACL's tough. Like, I, I don't compare him to Darren Sproles a lot, but it's like Darren Sproles was like ninety eight percent muscle, never got hurt. San Diego, whatever, and then he tore his ACL. Uh, with New Orleans, I think, and then came back. Like, stature doesn't matter with recovery. And I don't think people like Josh Allen would recover faster than Kyler Murray. That's not true. It mm-hmm. just depends on pain tolerance. It depends on how he reacts to treatment. And we don't know. It could be four weeks. It could be all year. Like, at this point, putting a pinpoint on one, I think, would be a fool's errand, at least this early. I'm, I hate talking about injuries. I'm not a doctor, obviously. Right. But I have been around the you know around a while, and I do think elite, elite athletes heal quicker and better than others. And of course, everyone in the NFL is an elite athlete, but he's an elite athlete amongst elite athletes. You know. Yeah. He's a, and Adrian yeah. Peterson ruined it for everybody. Like we wouldn't <laughs> be having this conversation <laughs> right, 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 if Adrian right. Peterson didn't come back in six months. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. It, it, he's he's bionic, so you can't compare yeah. people to Adrian Peterson. Right. Uh, what one last one on Kyler Murray here. Yeah, because could could an an injury like an ACL even help his development in a way where you you take your legs away from you a little bit as you're coming back? And there's a story from from Steve Young back in the day where he talked about one of his coaches like handcuffing his legs together, basically tying his feet together. It's like you can't run today. Sorry. Figure it out. Otherwise, you know, is that something that could help maybe someone like Kyler Murray? And then you add his legs on top of, you know, just a little bit more development there. Maybe a little change. You're getting a little older, new head coach, uh, a little skewed perspective on life even, you know, and you know, what's funny is I saw him, I saw a video of him working out and, and hugging it up with, with Jonathan Gannon at the facility. And he was right on the bike and you're right. It was pretty furious on the bike. He's wearing a, a, a t-shirt of a band called the Smiths and, and yeah. they're not, you know, they're not a super popular band. I think for a lot of people, I love the Smiths, but kind of aloof, kind of moody. I was like, oh, Kyler Murray's a fan of the Smiths. His his whole persona now starts to make a little bit more sense. I don't know if it's like, <laughs> I think you can buy a Smith shirt at, at Target. I don't know if it's just a shirt he buys, like, I like this shirt, or if he actually likes the band. But, like, I know a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends that love the Smiths, and I was like, oh, I totally get who Kyler Murray is now if he's a huge Smiths fan. He's full of surprises, that <laughs> rascal. He's full of surprises. No, but back to your question about him running the ball. Like, ideally, they shore up the offensive line. He has a second and a half more in the pocket. And he can call an offense and, and run plays in an offense that isn't wide receiver screens or go routes on third and eight. Like he gets knocked a lot for his, for his um, middle of the field passing, mid range passing. There that wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of that in this offense. You know, like it was either deep shots, short dink and dunk. And I don't know if that's because Cliff didn't believe in him. I don't know if that's because he didn't have a lot of time, especially last year. But something is going to come out of this year with Kyler Murray and a new OC, a new defensive-minded head coach, who said very interestingly, I'm paraphrasing, we're going to run an offense that caters most to Kyler Murray, but he's like, he's a GM head coach, Jonathan Gannon. And the Cardinals haven't had that. We don't even know if he's going to call the the defense yet. He's going to be a throwback. I'm the head coach of this team, but I may not have any hand in actual play calling, which is so novel now when that's what it always was. You know, so with Kyler, like, 
he's a work in progress still. And I get a lot of flack for that because he's in going into year five, but if he, if we can go with the rule of the front of the line in front of the line of scrimmage is lava, I'm good with that. Keep him behind the line of scrimmage <laughs> as much as possible. Have his legs being nice to have, not a need to have to run the offense. All right. More on the, the direction of the Arizona Cardinals here uh, as it skews into uh, a new Arizona Cardinals team from top to bottom, but not at quarterback necessarily. Uh, what will this team look like going forward and beyond with Alex Clancy of Locked On Cardinals? Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by FanDuel. NFL season is over. That doesn't mean you, you can't bet on NFL football anymore because there's odds up for next year's Super Bowl champion. There's draft props at FanDuel, but the midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then bet on everything from money line, point scorers, threes drained in NBA and college hoops. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a bigger payout with same game parlays, which is, I mean, again, the website's super easy to use and it's awesome building those parlays. A lot of fun. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with fanduel an official sports betting partner of the nba real quick alex when it comes to jonathan gannon and the hiring process and it started to be pretty clear they were waiting for somebody who's in the super bowl the longer that went on do you think that was by design was he their guy early or was there some lack of interest from candidates early in the process of coming to the arizona cardinals i think both could be true uh and i don't i'm not really a, a fence you know waddler but i think both could be true you know monty Ford had an eye out for jonathan gannon early on in the process the sean payton thing was just bizarre uh, we don't know if it was just uh, you know, a, a leverage ploy to get to Denver. We don't know if Arizona – and I think just Arizona wouldn't pay him what he wants because they're already paying two guys who aren't part of the organization anymore. So I don't know if, if uh, Michael Bitter wanted to shell out 25 mil a year for a guy who hasn't coached in a while, who hasn't won a Super Bowl in 10 years. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. And I, and I wish I had a little bit more of a succinct answer, but I think, I, I wish, I, I think it's a little bit of both. Alex, let's talk to Andre Hopkins here. I mean, is, is he as good as gone? What would it cost the Bears, Ravens, Patriots, whomever to acquire his services, in your opinion? I hope he doesn't leave. I bet, yeah. You know, uh, interesting thing that Joe Corey tweeted out or had it on a podcast, you know, a capologist said that his no trade clause was waived, was voided after the PED suspension, which is interesting. Uh, I was I was unaware oh, of that. Um, I can oh. say when I'm wrong, it happens once every you know year or so, right, Peacock? But <laughs> I, I but but I think that you know. But Twice that's interesting. Well, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, you know, it's um. People don't realize how incredible a talent he still is. In my opinion, I loved him before he got yeah. here when he was four years younger than he is now. The reason why DeAndre Hopkins is so important is because he doesn't need speed to be successful. He's never right. needed speed to be successful. His catch radius is otherworldly. He still has the best hands in the NFL, okay? You don't need to scheme for him. And that's why it scares the hell out of me because ask anybody listening to this, who your favorite team is, ask your friend, would you trade for DeAndre Hopkins? Everybody would say, how much? Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't matter. He's still there. 
he's still top 10. Like if he played 17 weeks and he got the looks he's supposed to, he's 1500 yards, 10, 12 touchdowns, like, like rinse and repeat. So to answer your question, what would the trade capital be? It's twofold. One, if it's a contender, it needs to be a first round pick. You cannot trade to a contender for a second round pick, which is a glorified third round pick. You can't get the, you know, you know, 58th or 60th pick in the draft for DeAndre Hopkins. It's got to be a late first because the Cardinals, if they're going to go that route, they're going to need to understand that they need to draft a wide receiver with that pick. Yeah, yeah. You know, like Hollywood Brown's not a wide receiver. He just isn't. Him and DeAndre Hopkins would be great together. And my biggest fear came to light, them two never playing meaningful snaps in 2022. So we couldn't see what it could have been like to run it back. I agree with you. Much like Larry, he's going to age gracefully. Yeah. You know, he's not just going to fall off a cliff. And he's 31. Right, right, right. Steve Smith played. He was 36 and he relied on speed. Like, I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't get it. Yeah. Ball skills, body positioning. Uh, his hands aren't going to get smaller overnight either. Right. So, yeah. So, <laughs> that attitude, you know, you just, you want that guy who's got that attitude. Everything. It's like, that's my ball. Yeah. What's on the to-do list? So Monty, Monty gives you a call, Alex, and he's like, I need some advice. What, what, what's what's step one? What are we doing here? Free agency in the draft. What's the plan for the Arizona Cardinals? Twofold. If he calls me, like, listen, it's really going to be predicated upon what Chicago does. Like, if if they trade out of one and then Houston takes C.J. Stroud, you'd think Will Levis. We have no idea what's going to happen through the combine and everything. If there is a team like Indy who wants to move up a pick or a team like Tennessee wants to move up eight spots or, you know, whatever. If there is a San Francisco to Miami package to move up to three, it'd be very difficult to pass up two future firsts and a first round pick swap in in, in this year. But with Jonathan Gannon, with Monty Austin for with their deep scouting roots, both of them, Jonathan Gannon was a scout for a couple of years also before becoming a coach. You look at Will Anderson and the Cardinals' huge voided pass rush, it's like, how do you not just set, forget, pick, keep it simple, stupid, and move the hell on? And that's why it's a huge issue because it's like, you know, it's not Steve Keim, so you have a huge leg up there with you acquire more picks. It's great for the future, but I don't think you need to get two future firsts when it takes one solid offseason to go from where they are now to middle of the pack. One solid draft with a full slate of picks, a solid offseason – some key free agents or uh, some key re-signings, health, and the right leader, I think it could take one year and maybe a draft next year for them to completely revamp this entire organization. So, Alex, real quick, I know you're up against it. Last thing I have for you, Isaiah Simmons is now a slot corner, if people don't realize it. Are we happy with him? Has he found a niche? Is he a bust? What's the story of this guy? (laughs) This might not be a short answer, huh? (laughs) Isaiah Simmons... Never should have been drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. Right, right. And that's really tough to resonate with now. It should have been Tristan Wirth, should have been a no, no doubt, set and forget, was the highest rated offensive lineman in Super Bowl history, I think, his, his rookie year with Tampa Bay. Isaiah Simmons is an absolute specimen. Right. Hassan Reddick, who is the original cautionary tale by the Arizona Cardinals, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. could fit in Isaiah Simmons' pocket. Six three two forty five sub four five forty. He is absolutely incredible. He's smart. He's fast. Not great in coverage, even though they continue to play him off ball or play him in coverage against tight ends and other stars from other teams. What I I understand this isn't a perfect fit, but I do believe that they need to move him to the pass rush position a little bit more, depending mm. on who they're playing against. And he was good at it. 
See quarterback, hit quarterback. He is yeah. so fast. He hits so hard. And I know that's not the perfect football answer. I know that a slot corner is where he is. But you know what? Pick up his fifth-year option the second you can. I'm not sure if you're able to. I know it's coming up. or I Like, the I opportunity is year. soon. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So fifth-year, they did not pick up uh, uh, Hassan Reddick's fifth-year option. And look at what happened. He balled out after Grant Chandler Jones got hurt, went to Carolina, and now in Philly. They need to – that's the biggest issue they need to figure out, Matt Williamson. That's the biggest issue because if he can unlock this defense, you have him. He's on your yeah, team yeah, already. Yeah. And everybody around the NFL is like, I hope they don't. I hope they don't because we will. That's exactly what everybody else is thinking. So they need to figure it out because they have a trophy wife who has a PhD in bioeconomics <laughs> on their roster already. And they're speaking a different language. They need to get the Rosetta Stone. They need to go take a class, figure out the language and keep him. Get wearing right. an Arizona yeah. Cardinals uniform for the next decade. Well, the good news is the Cardinals finally found a coach that knows how to use Hassan Riddick, so that maybe they can figure out Isaiah <laughs> Simmons as well. Uh, always a pleasure, Alex. Thank you so much for joining us. You guys got to check him out daily at Locked On Cardinals. He's Locked On NFL crew as well. Always a pleasure. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, next. Uh, we've got an overflow question, Matt. Okay. Yeah. In regards to our last mailbag episode about – the number of Super Bowl winning starting quarterbacks there are in the NFL. And um, it's, it's, it's really fun to look back on how many great quarterbacks have played at a time. And did we just not realize how great of an era we went through in the NFL over the last you know couple of decades? Next. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming a, a, a GM, an NFL GM, running your franchise from top to bottom, well, this is the game for you. We've had so much playing this in-house against each other. It's the mobile game app, Ultimate Football GM. It's your turn to compete as well. We're going to give you more information on how you can compete as well uh, with Ultimate Football GM with some of the hosts here on the Locked On Podcast Network. With Ultimate Football GM, you're responsible for controlling the destiny of your franchise top to bottom, hiring the right coaches and coordinators, trading players, navigating your franchise through free agency in the draft, all the ups and downs of a season, all in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free, playable offline, play on the go, and as you want to, and when you want to. Locked On listeners also get a 100% free boost in-game to their franchise when using promo code Locked On. That's Locked On, all caps, in the game. So check it out today. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM. Start your dynasty today. To the mailbag, Matt, where uh, on Wednesday's episode, or no, what day? I don't even know what day it is, to be honest with you. Anyway. Earlier in the week. Earlier on in the week, <laughs> uh, you can find the podcast. There's a really interesting nugget um, that actually Mel, Mel Kuyper brought to your attention, Matt, mm -hmm. about how many starting Super Bowl winning quarterbacks are in the league currently. And there's only four. And there's an opportunity there. or There's a chance that maybe there's only one left in a, in a year from now when Patrick Mahomes, which is kind of wild to think about it. So, like, how many... How many has there been in the past? And Jared, one of our listeners on Twitter, asked us, 
what's the highest number of Super Bowl winning starting quarterbacks there's ever been? And yeah. a little too much work for me uh, in, in the last 24 hours to go through and, and look at every single year. But I kind of looked at some eras and and the first the initial thing I thought of is like, well, let's go back to when Peyton Manning retired because there's still Brady. There's still Breeze and there's all those quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So so how many was there? And Eli, you know, right. right, right yeah. Back in back. Rogers. in I just picked a random year, 2015. And Matt, I might have struck gold because it might be the most at that time. And there was twice as many. So in 2015, there were eight active starting quarterbacks that had won a Super Bowl. Brady, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, and Joe Flacco. So there was mm, eight, okay. twice as many wow. as there are today. Uh, and then there was you know future winning starting quarterbacks like Matthew Stafford that were playing in the league, hadn't won yet. So... Uh, and I didn't go far enough back in every single year, every single era to find out if that's the most, but I'm willing to bet that might be the most Matt. It's interesting because I read that question. I'm like, that's a great question. I wish I knew the answer to that. Is this really unusual or not, you know, to have four, it seems like a super low number, but maybe the average over history is five or, you know, I mean, who knows? And then I thought, that's too much work for me, though. So I, maybe I'll retweet it and somebody will look for it. Or maybe someone listening now will actually give us the real answer. But you did some serious work on it. I mean, you, you didn't break down every year. But I think that's pretty impressive. And goes back to our quarterback conversation, too, that we might look back in history and that's as good a quarterback, the most Hall of Famers playing at once at that position. You know what I mean? We might, real, we might not have realized at the time how right. great of a quarterback era we were in, especially when some of those guys have started to age out and haven't been nearly replaced in numbers. There's been, you know, really good right, quarterbacks. Right, right. There's Burrow and there's Josh Allen. And, you know, those guys haven't won a quarterback yet. Now Jalen Hurts in the in the conversation. And we'll see if Justin Herbert is, uh, you know, where his career goes. But, and, and you know, maybe that number could actually rise, but it's looking like it's getting smaller rather than getting mm-hmm. bigger right now because right. some other quarterbacks like Stafford and Rodgers might not be playing long either. Right, all right. When you, um, but then I went back just kind of into the '90s and just kind of went through the process, and, and and I wanted to see, you know, how does that match up historically? And you know, like four or five is kind of not that weird because yeah, I went to the early '90s it. and I thought, okay, well, let, let's let's see if so, you know Jim McMahon's still starting in the league, right? And he won a, a Super Bowl with the with the with the Bears, and then you had Joe Montana who was still starting. And he won, you know, multiple Super Bowls with the 49ers. Even after he was on the Kansas City Chiefs, he was a starter with Super Bowl rings. In early 90s, you have Troy Aikman who wins a Super Bowl mm-hmm. now. So then you start counting it up, and there's Mark Rippon. And but there's so many quarterbacks who didn't win. And I was like, oh man, all time great. Oh, Jim Kelly doesn't have one. Dan Marino doesn't have one. You yeah, know, yeah. And, and it was like, oh man, the, the number's not as big as I thought. So it's kind of, you know, through the 90s, it's kind of four or five. And then Joe Montana retires, but then Steve Young wins one. So it's still kind of the same number. And then, you know, Mark Rippon's gone. And some of these other quarterbacks from the 80s and, and definitely the 70s are now gone. And then Favre wins one. And then Elway finally wins one. You know, so if you look at uh, if you look at the early 90s, there's all these great quarterbacks. But, you know, Favre and Elway hadn't won yet. And and even in the early 90s, Steve Young hadn't won one yet. So yeah, yeah. as as some of the quarterbacks age out, the new quarterbacks win and I think because of uh, a lot of the dynasties that happened in the NFL, they're just they're, there's not as many Super Bowl winning quarterbacks that are still starting in the league as you think there might have been. So yeah. the answer might have been it feels low now because of the era we just went through more so than it's super low now based on the rest of history. Yeah, and basically what you said was 
it takes a while till you're good enough to take your team to a quarterback to a Super Bowl. You know, what Mahomes is doing is so rare because he has so much in front of him still. You know, yes. like I mean, I thought of some eras, you know, I thought immediately, well, maybe I can cheat and look at like the first five or six Super Bowls or the first 10 Super Bowls. But then Bradshaw gets four out of six and Star's not around anymore. Dawson's right. not around anymore. You know, like those guys couldn't hang around during that stretch. And then I thought Joe Gibbs, he, he coached three different quarterbacks to Super Bowls for Washington. But was Doug Williams a starter much after that or Rippin or, you know what I mean? Like they weren't exactly lighting it up with their next team or right. even had a next team, you know? Yeah. And it was funny. So you look at McMahon and I was like, Oh, McMahon's a good one. Cause it, yeah, right. There's a single one. He's he like the Flacco did, one. And he played for a lot longer than I remembered, but you know, he didn't have a lot of good seasons and there was like, Oh, but he, in this year, like 93, Oh, he is starting in 93. So he's still, yeah, yeah. so let's count this year. That's a good one to sneak only, one in you know, there. Yeah. Yeah. Still only four and kind of the same with Rippin It's like still only four or five even. So, um, yeah. I think the takeaway from that is how great of an era of quarterbacks we saw in the, in the 2000s, 2010s. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of hall of famers and maybe even a guy like rivers. I know he didn't have a, a ring doesn't get in or Matt Ryan, or, I mean, some of the, you know, Stafford, you know, who does have a ring, you know, but there was a dozen that have hall of fame cases, you know, I'm, I'm guessing off the top of my head and, right. and some slam dunks. And for the 2020s looking ahead, is there some teams and young quarterbacks that are going to go get their first ring and go beat Patrick Mahomes? Mm -hmm. That's the key to this thing growing again in the future and not just continuing to dwindle down into, you know, one or two quarterbacks that, are, that have won Super Bowls that are, that are active now that, you know, all these older quarterbacks are that were good for so long, like Tom Brady this offseason uh, are retiring. And we're going to see if, uh, a few more probably in the next couple of seasons. Yeah. But I think the, the really fun point though, is what you brought up when we talked about this is there might be one next year two you know what i mean like Mahomes wins another chances stafford rogers and wilson are starting again i mean wilson's career could go down the toilet stafford could hang it up rogers could be on a mountain somewhere who knows four is one thing if all four are really competitive still but right it could literally be one in a calendar year or in in, in, in two years too so like if the four were wilson mahomes allen and Someone that's middle aged cousins, you know what I mean? Right. Random like that. Or, like, oh, okay. Like, hang what if, uh, like, what if Rogers wins it and then retires, and it's still they, you still right, lose right. one, you know? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Stafford, same way, right? Yeah. Or if he doesn't retire, you still don't add the list. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Thanks everybody <laughs> for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen every day. Uh, if you've got questions, if you've got follow ups to uh, any of the topics we talked about, or want to get involved in next week's Twitter mailbag. Hit us up at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Talk to you then right here. Peacock and Williamson.